The subject for the evening talk is the way things appear. Some days ago when I arrived here, I um, arranged with uh, a friend, uh, Christina Engels, for, for me to meet with a person in the Boston area who has AIDS. And this afternoon, while you were here, I went to meet and talk with this person and, in fact, um, made a taped interview with him. And I asked him about his background, his work, his relationships, how he, how he reacted initially to the knowledge after... Uh, ex uh, experiencing a form of tuberculosis, how he responded to the knowledge that he was uh, HTV positive, that he had the virus, how it was for him in the period subsequent to that knowledge, and then how it was he responded and dealt with the knowledge of knowing that he has AIDS. And we spoke together for about 40 minutes and he used and he acknowledged it probably quite unusual but he used a remarkable term to describe his experience following, immediately following the knowledge. And both upon hearing that he was positive, and both upon hearing later, last November, that he had AIDS, what he experienced within himself, he said, was relief. And it seemed, as a listener, almost unfathomable. Both occasions he described it as relief. The reason that I had asked to uh, meet with a person and with a counsellor or client advocate was to make a small contribution in the area where I live towards people being a little bit more directly informed with regard to AIDS and 
towards considering with another person of setting up a small uh, support group in the West Country and also the social political implications. So when this person, his name is Timothy, said that he had relief, I immediately wanted to obviously to know why, why relief? And he said, prior to being, through the test, declared positive, he had not, wanting to, had not wanted to take the test. But due to um, a nurse um, breaking or pricking herself with a needle, he felt it was necessary as a safeguard because he was recovering from this form of tuberculosis. And he said it was a relief because at least he knew. He knew what the fact was, the reality was. And the actual anxiety level which had hounded him for months diminished correspondingly and from that point on he said he then began to reach out and to inform himself as clearly as possible about what it was he was experiencing how to work with it and ways and means to have contact with others. He said he read every scientific journal he could get his hands on. He went to as many workshops as possible. He went to the Action Aid uh, AIDS Committee meetings. He met with other people experiencing with AIDS. And through this reaching out, became much more knowledgeable and informed. And in our talking together, one can't help but feel, and I'm sure it's not unusual at all, it's as though some human beings have a sequence of events in life. And his was, as he described, going to Vietnam, coming back from the horrors and terrors of Vietnam, then by necessity having to go into the AA, Alcoholics Anonymous program, <coughs> and then from there to positive and AIDS. And he says, he said to me, he has known more people die of AIDS than he knew who died in the war in Vietnam. And one of the things which struck in our talking together is 
faced with a clear and distinct life-threatening illness with all that it touches in countless other human beings who frequently confuse a health issue with some religious moralism and all of that, having to face and deal with that, that in the apparent horror of the way things appear, there was a tremendous communication from this particular person of life and of spirit and how he said the whole situation has reached and touched places of his own words now of spirituality which he had not known were there. And a tremendous sense, he said, of global awareness of what AIDS means for the planet and how his whole heart and mind has been opened out through the apparent horrors of this experience. It really says something, doesn't it, for the extraordinary capacity of the human spirit. So when I was coming, coming back in the car and uh, just uh, reflecting on this situation and this... Uh, um, meeting today and the meeting also with the uh, advocate. That I couldn't help but reflect a little bit on our situation here and what it means when we say, well, this is the way things appear and we find ourselves frequently looking at things as we noticed and observed in our group this morning in a somewhat clearly defined way. And perhaps one of the, the dangers, one might say, for our psyche, for our whole makeup, and the whole construction of our personality, is that we look at a situation, any situation about anything in this world, in so-called within ourselves or so-called outside of ourselves and we assume in the particular way of looking that this is the way it is. 
And in some way today, for my, myself, and the fiction and the mythology which surrounds that was clearly dissolved by one human being who is experiencing AIDS and is left basically with one choice at a time, as he said, and that is to live one day at a time because he doesn't know whether he'll reach the end of the week. So vulnerable is the entire organism. And I wonder with us, in our looking, and in our inquiry, and in the way that we view things, that whenever we are coming across to others, or to ourselves, with and it hasn't, I must say, been this very flexible and fluid situation here, but in easily and ordinary, in everyday situations. When we come across in a very fixed way about the way things are, that perhaps it's very necessary for us at that time either to have a little, some little doubt, some murmuring inside of ourselves that this is a way we are defining, we are interpreting, so that around our view there is some communication of flexibility, of spaciousness, of openness. Not that we necessarily shelve our perception, not necessarily we say, well, of course, there are dismiss it by being fearful to speak because it's just a way of looking. But rather within the field of communication, we express our perceptions and somehow or other communicate to others and certainly to ourselves something other than that view. But I, I am because of the uh, light. I can't see anybody over here. You're all filled with light. It's rather nice. <laughs> so we see and experience in in ourselves the reaching out or the putting out, shall we say, of a certain. What should we call it? Psychological posture. This resonates to some degree favorably or unfavorably with another or other 
human beings. And to the degree that you and I are identified with, invested in, upholding, cherishing and promoting, to that degree we are accessible to conflict and all that's implied in it. And so as we might say that each time we speak, each time, it requires from us as much meditative awareness as we would give to sitting in a meditation posture in the formal sense. And thus, it's as though we need to bear in mind, in heart, in the deepest level of our being, that each communication, somehow or other, difficult as it is for you and I, is such that it communicates this is the way it appears. Not this is the way it is. And when we are engaged in that outflow, perhaps there are two considerations which accompany it. One of them is the actual content, the actual words which you and I use when we are stating our view, hopefully considered view, about something. What we actually say. Because sometimes we say things which are completely off the wall. That's not being very polite to the wall saying that, is it? And, and we take it for granted and it shows some lack of clarity or awareness or whatever it might be. No matter how nicely we might say it, the view itself is questionable, is, is, is muddled. And the other consideration which accompanies the, the, our communications, if assuming that the perception is coming, has some ground in awareness and in love and reverence and respect and depth. <coughs> it's also the kind of attitude and movement which goes with the content itself.
And this is personal, it is social, it is religious, it is legal, it is political. It is in every major sphere of life that human beings have difficulty and conflict with each other because of what we say or write and the manner, tone and the way that we communicate. And because of it, fear, mistrust, conflict, violence, etc., etc., etc. Just from what comes out of the mouth. In this movement and the inner and the inner and the outer making uh, manifestation, sometimes in this field of communication, we see, and as was pointed out this morning, a very, very valuable awareness, how, if I may put it in another way, the emphasis of one thing reveals directly or indirectly its opposite. Whenever you and I are strongly emphasizing whatever it is that we have as an issue for ourselves, it just as much shows its opposite. And for one thing, issue, content, object or whatever, to have real supposed substance for it, it does so by what it doesn't have. And one can take all the larger spheres of opposites, all the personal, subtle, everyday ones, and what we find as human beings within ourselves is that what conditioning means is that we are taking up one opposite over and against the other. That's what conditioning tends to do. Each time we have an argument with who, who, whoever, with ourselves, with our children, with the people in power, with the neighbour, with the author. And I'm not saying, therefore, one doesn't take up issues. One doesn't try to get involved in, in any way and 
try to be passive, which is again another opposite. But rather, if we can bring to an awareness of the mutual dependency of one thing against something else, I wonder what that will mean for balance, for clarity, for awareness. And we've spoken quite a lot together about the opposites of connectedness and separation. And we have felt and ex experienced both. And our preference may certainly be, understandably, towards one and against the other. And what happens, of course, is that when we have a strong, not necessarily a strong, but an investment or a leaning towards one or a leaning towards the other, that becomes reality. Can you, can you see what we, what we do with life? We abstract from it. Right, wrong, good, bad, war, peace, love, violence, whatever, whatever the modes are. And we find in ourselves leaning towards one, facing the other, feeling the polarity, perhaps calling one true reality, whatever disconnectedness or what connectedness or whatever, perhaps calling the other true reality, or one of them is and one of them isn't. And it's simply reflecting how we are in relationship to. And when that is strong with us, hope you could follow, sometimes these talks are not easy to follow, please feel free to space out. <laughs> but sometimes, when in our relationship to one, and, and that one becomes important to us, we, so we say, give it importance. We fuel it with our ways that we do. It means that the other becomes increasingly more intolerable, unacceptable, and with intolerance and unacceptability, what we are saying is, 
I can't deal with it. And put any opposite and prejudice towards one, taking up of one, clinging to one, invites the being in the unenviable position of not being able to face, work with or deal with the other. And so the, the giving of the reality to one, because the mind moves, it can just as easily switch straight over and give as much reality to its opposite. And there's never any real peace. And in talking with this man, Timothy, today, and bearing in mind that um, it was a short uh, encounter, bearing in mind to know somebody one, well, as the Buddha says, there are two, to really know somebody, there are two important things to know where somebody is in life. One is, one must know that person for a long time. One can't tell from a day, an hour, or a few days, or weeks. One has to, to know someone, one must know them well for a long time. And the other, which factor with that, is that one must know a person through a difficult situation to sense where the, where the person is, to sense where, where, where oneself is. And in talking with uh, Timothy, and it's only going on an initial and immediate impression, the thought arose in my mind, it seems that this man has found peace through AIDS. I don't know. But I do know from the past and with other people in other life-threatening situations that the most unwanted, unexpected, 
unsought after, most rejected form of human experience imaginable, but the far opposite of all that one wants. In this extraordinary composite of humanity, that most unwanted becomes the instrument for what one has always wanted. This, how can the mind ever comprehend such a dichotomy? How can our heart ever assimilate such extraordinariness? That what one has feared most is the means for what one loves most. what one needs most. So perhaps it's not the polarities in life which is the real issue. It's not the way things appear and show themselves which is really at stake for you and I in this extraordinary experience called life. But the way of seeing. And when people report to us of an event being a blessing in disguise, that woman, that man who reports that to us, and, and we, as we have reported to, our, to ourselves and to others, is really expressing something quite profound. And then we might be left with the question, <coughs> where is the reality? That we see and we feel and we think and we experience the countless ways in which we attribute a reality to and how it sets us up for its opposite and conflict and pain. And we begin <coughs> to question that mode that kind of movement. It 
So that we're not in such a, a rush to give reality to events. That we're not, very important this, making something of what is taking place. And just perhaps in there, or therein, something which is very freeing becomes clear. Very liberating and there's no negation of life no withdrawal from it in any way there's an acknowledgement of its unfoldment within all of its diversity The world continues to present itself to consciousness. But it's not a problem in the way that one thought it was. And perhaps the child of all of that, the way that that shows itself, is through all which we appreciate. All that we see make manifest connectedness and disconnectedness, gain and loss, health and sickness, coming and going, birth and death, appearance and disappearance. All these countless interpretations
don't really intrude are not a problem that one thought them to be. So let us see if we are fixing. And once fixing, what kind of relationship we have to what we fixed. so that the heart is spacious and expansive and accommodating and receptive. And very caring <coughs> in terms of the way things appear to be. May all beings be in touch with life. May all beings see into life. May all beings live with care. So let's have a couple of minutes quiet period again. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.